community actually i really don't think it should be a hot take i think it should be kind of logical at this point but i think face masks and horse collar penalties are severely severely not penalized enough 15 yards for a cringeworthy face mask is not enough especially if for example in the horse collar the what was it the sun monday night game where Christian Watson was horse cow attacked from behind. And it looked nasty because, you know, obviously their momentum gets stopped, their head jerks, and they usually they get tackled where their legs get caught underneath them. And then you're just kind of hoping and praying that they don't twist an ankle, get stomped on an ankle, get their cleats caught on the turf where they obviously can, of course, have one of those season-ending injuries. I think that, one, just like in soccer, where if you have a penalty where it is clear that he's going towards the goal and it is going to be him versus the goalie, that it's an automatic ejection. Because in soccer, it's a red card and then you get a penalty kick, right? Uh, I don't think you can necessarily emulate a penalty kick in football, but that player needs to be kicked out of the game, especially if it is a uh, touchdown-saving tackle or touchdown-saving horse collar in that matter. Because it's one, it's incredibly dangerous. If you want to protect the head in football, then you, you got to have also the the sense and awareness to kind of protect everything else that a horse collar tackle or a face mask penalty provides because i mean it's it's cringeworthy when you see a player kind of get his face mask grabbed and then you see that person's neck do a damn near 180 it feels like because i mean you see that neck snap and you're like oh my god is it gonna go past the shoulder blades and it's it's cringeworthy, like a hit to the head. You know, it hurts. It looks bad, but it's not like, oh, my God, cringe. You know, it's not like, ah, it doesn't bring that chill to your spine the way I think a, a face mask that just kind of gets snapped like that does. I think uh, re realistically, that needs to get looked at a little bit more. 15 yards, I mean, of course, in the world of football is a lot. You know, that's over 10% of the field. But health-wise, no, it's, it's, I don't think it's anywhere near enough to, to justify a face mask. It needs, and, and, and personally, like a hit to head, you know, it's football, it's bang, bang plays. If you get hit one of those defenseless receivers where they kind of tuck and kind of curl, and then you just happen to be leading for your shoulder, leading with the shoulder and you get it, like I get it. It's a bang, bang play. Sometimes it's BS, but like a face mask, it's very rare for you to accidentally pull your hand on the face Put your hands across the, the face guards and then pull, right? Like that, may, may, maybe, you know, I'm not an elite athlete playing at the NFL level, obviously, but I feel like there has to be some sort of intent when you do that. And I think 15 yards is just nowhere near the, uh, it's nowhere near a acceptable punishment. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just a hot topic for me because it happened. I feel like it happened so much over, um, the past weekend, I feel like on Sunday, uh, you, know, you felt like you saw flags flying for either horse collars or face masks. I think teams are also starting to realize, like, hey, maybe 15 just it, it doesn't really matter. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Like, you know, he gains 15 yards. He was probably going to get a big play on, on it anyway, which is why they grabbed the face or the horse collar anyway. And, uh, hey, you know, worst comes to worst. You know, they just get hurt and you don't have to deal with it anymore. Right. But, hey, you know, that's my mini rant for the day. There's going to be more. I'm going to have another one in a couple more minutes, but this is going to be the one that I think personally NFL needs to do something about it. I think that, you know, and I don't want to be one of those, oh man, they're taking the fun out of the NFL, but I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but sometimes I just think, oh my God, that's so cringeworthy. Maybe I'm a Christian Watson owner and I'm a little salty. I lost out on a touchdown. Maybe that too. But I mean, I, I don't know. And for me, I just think like it's, it's cringy. I don't know how to explain it other than that. But hey, if you've noticed so far, Sheehan, has not interjected in saying that, hey, I'm wrong, I'm an idiot, or maybe he agrees. Maybe this is the one time where he agrees with me on it. But hey, 
Congratulations to Sheehan. He is now a proud dad to a little boy. So he decided to say, you know what? I don't feel like sleeping for the rest of my life ever, ever, ever again, a full eight hours. But, you know, he gets rewarded with a little boy that he can hopefully raise into a grown ass man that doesn't simp, more importantly. But, hey, what is going on? 32 bit sleeper wire nation. It is your boy Natter that is going to attempt to just solo this, solo this podcast episode where. I have full control. Usually she and he goes, no, that's an idiotic idea. Why would you do that? No, you're completely wrong. That's a terrible take. But he can't do that right now. So now I get to do it. I get to say, hey, I'm right. And there's going to get to be no counter opinion. So that's going to be up to you guys, the listeners, to say, hey, no, 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 that's not right. No, no, that's not right. Maybe you listened to my little face mask to horse collar rant and said, hey, you know, maybe he got a point or two. Or maybe, no, stop being soft and get the fuck over it. But hey, maybe that's just me. But in today's episode, basically, I'm going to rant on stuff that I think bothers me. No, I'm just kidding. We're going to have another rant or two. Of course, you know, those are, those are just the Natter signatures. And then, of course, we're going to have the top 10. Actually, I should say the not top 10 rankings for the RBs and the wide receivers. In my personal opinion, it is a phenomenal way to talk about the games without actually just sitting there and talking about the games. Because, you know, if I just say, oh, uh, you know... Um, the Dallas against the Chargers, right? Who are you going to start? I mean, obviously, you're going to start Tony Pollard and all of them. But when you get starting on the rankings on them and say, who's going to do better than who? Who would you rather do over this? I think that is a little bit more of an entertaining way to talk about the games without actually talking about the games, if you know what I mean. But all right. Usually, I think it's a little bit too early to do victory laps. And I don't really necessarily like victory laps because... If you give good advice, if you give proper assessment and analysis, you shouldn't have to do victory laps because, I mean, it should just be a known thing that when people listen to you, follow your advice, listen to your episodes, the podcasts and all that good stuff that they're probably doing pretty well in their fantasy leagues or maybe barring an injury or two or or the opponent just had a better week than you. You should be doing pretty decently. And you know what? I pride myself in hoping that you guys take my advice or Sheen's advice into your thought process when you're crafting your fantasy team, doing your starts and sits, trades, all that good stuff. Uh, But I, I, I think this is an important thing to talk about now that we're about five weeks into the season and we're kind of seeing the fantasy fantasy how do i say a fantasy spiderweb kind of expand and you get to see who's studs who's busts who's trash who's startable who's rosterable you know handcuffs and all that good stuff and i think it is important to kind of look back every so often at your draft and your draft process to see you know what that was a good thought process i'm going to hold on to that or you know what that didn't work how i hoped let's scratch that maybe i should have done this instead let's keep doing that let's just scratch that idea and i think the idea people need to start scratching is drafting wide receivers early before running backs because i know for a fact me and Sheen, we had a huge debate over this i'm not knocking anybody but i said if you have the 101 you're taking chris mccaffrey if you have the 102 And Justin Jefferson gets taken. You're taking Christian McCaffrey. If Christian McCaffrey's on the board, you're taking Christian McCaffrey. And you would be silly to do anything else other than to take Christian McCaffrey. Why? Because he is an RB1, an elite RB1 at that, posting still wide receiver two numbers. I mean, this gets discussed all the time, right? He's still a wide receiver in the running running back position. You get two positions in one. And for somebody that wasn't going 101 on average in most drafts, 102. In one league, I got him at 104, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Like, it's clear that I now have an advantage on those rosters. If you have Christian McCaffrey, you have an advantage that other people don't have on the rosters because you have a two-for-one. Two-for-ones are incredibly important in fantasy, right? So what I mean is, is a player that suffices two different roles in one position. So, like... For example, like, like I mentioned, Chris McCaffrey, RB1, wide receiver two in one slot. You get two in one. I mean, he has 20 receptions right now. In week five, like for example, Justin Jefferson, he has 36. Jamar Chase has 44. Like you're telling me people that averaged higher than him in the ADP process barely. I shouldn't say barely, you know, a substantial amount more than McCaffrey, but not enough for you to sit there and go, oh, yeah, there are unquestionable, undoubtable should be drafted ahead of Christian McCaffrey. No, you, you, I think you are definitely throwing out a hot take when you say that. And I think you're really wrong when you do that. And 
just to say, you know, right now, for like now that I mentioned the catches, Jamar Chase, 44 touches. Justin Jefferson, 36. Christian McCaffrey has 99 carries and 20 receptions. He has 120 touches. He has triple their touches. And he still has the ability to be a two-for-one player. Justin Jefferson's not a two-for-one player. He's just an elite receiver. I mean, unfortunately, he's hurt. He's on the IR. He's gone at least four weeks. You know, hamstrings, injuries, they're going to linger. I don't want to say his season's over. It's not over. I mean, that team has playoff aspirations. He's going to come back. He'll be fine. It's just unfortunate he hurt his hamstrings. It's a part of the sport. There's nothing you can do about it. You just kind of try to manipulate your roster to the best to make up for that. I mean, realistically, there's no making up for an elite, elite top tier, S tier wide receiver one. But you're obviously, you know, the show must go on. And I'm sure you guys have made your proper waiver wire maneuvers in order to circumvent it. But unfortunately, uh, it, at this aspect, to the argument I'm making, it doesn't matter whether he's injured or healthy. Because another two for one type of player, for example, would be maybe like Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, wide receiver one, maybe an RB3, right? Maybe an RB3, but he's still an ability. He still have the ability to get a little bit of a two for one where you know that you're going to get this many touches from receptions and then carries. And may, may, maybe Kyle Shanahan, you know, he just likes his two for oneers. And at this point, you have to wonder if he uses uh, a two for one shampoo. Shampoo and conditioner, which side note, I don't, I, you know, I think I, I think less of people who use that because it doesn't make sense. There's no way a shampoo and a conditioner can work coincide. Like how does it work both ways? It can't, it can't work both ways. It can't condition your hair and wash your hair. And no, that's fake news to me. That's fake news. Like just separate them. Be normal. So Kyle Shanahan, he likes his two for oneers. And obviously he, he, at this point, I think we decided that he uses two for one man shampoo, but, uh, Two for oneers, like for example, like Austin Eckler, he's also in a little bit of a two for oneer. You know, you're gonna get some receptions, a decent amount of receptions. You're gonna get touches. You're gonna get carries. You're gonna get fantasy points. You get game scripted out of games, and teams that are expected to win heavily, usually, you kind of self game script you're out of the game, right? So I mean, if Justin Jefferson happens to not get a touchdown or two, and they go up fourteen, and it's the end of the third quarter. He's probably done for the day. He might get another reception or two, but usually at this point, unless it becomes a third down and five where, you know, they might do a little, little bubble screen out route, something simple for him. You know, he's probably done for the day when it comes to receptions and fantasy points at that aspect. But, but you know, if you had a running back like Eckler or McCaffrey or even B. John Robinson at this point. He's Saquon, unfortunately he's hurt, but you know, for the sake of the, the conversation, we're going to assume he's normal or any type of running back Alvin Kamara. I can go on and on and on about different ones. DeAndre Swift, yada, yada, yada. They don't get game scripted out of games. They're winning. They're getting touches. They're losing. They have the potential to get potential to get receptions. And even then it's probably better that they're losing. Like I know and understand the argument that a running back gets five yards. If he, obviously he gets if he carries the ball for five yards, that is 0.5. But if he averages five yards per carry, he's halfway to the Hall of Fame. A wide receiver catches the ball in PPR. He already has that 0.5. Everything else is just kind of extra cherry on the top. And it is easier for wide receivers to outscore running backs. I completely understand that point. 100% understand. Until you get an elite running back that just makes a difference in your fantasy league. It's huge. I mean, right now, Christian McCaffrey, he's he is projected over 20 points. There's no, there's no wide receiver that does that. The only one that I could think of is Cooper Cup last year or two years ago, I should say. Even Justin Jefferson last year didn't average that. And I feel like it should have been expected that he wasn't going to do it nearly as good as he did last year. I mean, he's doing good. He was doing way. He was doing just fine before his injury. But I mean, right now, I think it's clear and obvious that the correct choice was Christian McCaffrey and you have put yourself not only in a disadvantage by not taking Christian McCaffrey because obviously you picked an inferior player but you also created the difficulty of your lineup because now chances are one you had an early pick right so you take a wide receiver on the turnaround you're waiting 20 picks 20 picks for your next one you're not picking up another good RB again at least a known good RB, I should say. Obviously, you know, like the Raheem Mostar was had a ninth round ADP. David Montgomery had, a, I, mean, I think, an eighth or ninth round ADP at that. But of course, I mean, we expected Jameer Gibbs to kind of have that role. But 
realistically, unless you're able to snag on one of them, I mean, Swift also, I think he had like a 7th, 8th round ADP, yada, yada, yada. But I think that it's clear that, you know, obviously, you know, you take Justin Jefferson 101, 20 picks go by. It's one, minimum 20 if it's a 10-team league. 20 picks go by. There's no other known good RB for you available that you know you can plug and play. He's going to get his touches. He's going to get his touchdown goal line opportunities. And he's going to get receptions if it comes to it. There's, there just isn't. At this point, you have to take a wide receiver because if you don't, again, receivers are also going to be limited. You don't necessarily have the ability to take an elite wide receiver at this point. Right now, on your list would be Amon Ross St. Brown. Devontae Adams probably is gone at this point. And then... Now, Garrett Wilson's probably taken at that point, too. I mean, realistically, who else in the wide receiver spot could you have elitely taken? So you're kind of almost forced to take wide receivers at that point. I mean, you were probably looking in the Jalen Waddle area. Chris Olave probably was gone. Devontae Smith was probably gone. Keenan Allen, yeah, he'd be there, but it would still be considered necessarily too early to take him at that point, right? It, it, you got put in a difficult position this year if you had an early round draft pick because you are in a spot where it's too late to take an elite, elite, elite receiver or an elite RB, but it's still too early to kind of fish for uh, the second option on the team. Like T. Higgins was the second option on the team, but he's, you know, that was his ADP at that point. You, you got put in an awkward situation because one, now you have an elite wide receiver one, right? But you might have a semi-decent wide receiver, too. You still don't have an RB. And at that point, you know, your pick, You obviously, you can go, you know, you have the kind of the back-to-backs to double-tap it, and then you can grab an RB there. But it's not the same talent in the RB position. And then after that, you know, you have to wait another 20 picks. And by then, the talent pool of both positions, but more so running backs, got absolutely drained. At that point, you're looking at maybe... God, that's difficult. I mean, at the time, Brees Hall had that draft pick, but we weren't sure what he was looking like. Aaron Jones, but he's got hurt. But he looked looked good when he was healthy, of course. But hamstrings are difficult. They're unlucky. And uh, you just got to roll with the punches on that one. I mean, you could have taken Jameer Gibbs, but if then your fantasy team would have been screwed, right? Especially if you took a wide receiver early. Because Jameer Gibbs would have been your RB1. And uh, if he's your RB1, you're in a lot of trouble. Ramondre Stevenson hasn't been doing much. He's averaging, I think, 3.2 yards per carry. That's terrible. That's terrible. Like, you know, if you, if you took James Cook, again, that's why I always preach to people, RBs early. RBs early. Grab your RBs. Grab your RBs. Like, I put Tyler Boyd in my fantasy lineup this week. Five catches, 50 yards. That was a solid day out of him. He put up his projection, but guess what? I had Christian McCaffrey. I won my week. That's it. And you know Christian McCaffrey. He's gonna get his touches. I mean, he got he he had a against the Dallas Cowboys in a game where he averaged two point five yards per carry. He still had multiple touchdown opportunities. I mean, he got ta- He had a fumble. On the one-yard line, he had a fumble. You you know damn well that next play, he was going to get it again, and it was probably going to be a touchdown, right? And at the end of the game, before the fourth quarter, he got tackled on the one-yard line. And then, of course, they had a little play-action pass. That's where Juice got his touchdown. And But, you know, you know, if he hadn't had this phenomenal game or if they really, really needed a touchdown, that's kind of like, that, that, you know, that, that Kyle Hughes check touchdown was just kind of uh, disrespectful icing on the cake against the Cowboys. But if they really needed it, guess what? They were probably going to give it to McCaffrey. He was probably going to score another touchdown, and then it would have just elevated his fantasy team. I mean, he averaged three, 2.5 yards per carry. He still put up, and he had a fumble loss. Got tackled on the one-yard line twice. And he put up 12 fantasy points in half-point PPR. That's his worst week of the season. 12 fantasy points against a Dallas defense. That's an elite defense, right? That has a ferocious front line. And you know it has a ferocious front line because he averaged 2.3 yards per carry. He's not facing a line like that again. His next challenge, his next hardest challenge, is going to be Cleveland, which is happening this week. After that, Minnesota, Cincinnati. He has a bye week. Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, Seattle. His hardest matchup is probably going to be Philadelphia, Seattle, and then playoffs. Playoffs right here, Seattle, Arizona, Baltimore, Washington. Right now, Baltimore, it sounds ferocious, but they, right now they're giving up the 22nd most. Like, the, like, He has an easy schedule for running backs. And 
you know, Christian McCaffrey, he's Christian McCaffrey. He's a one-off. So I'm sitting here ranting about one player that, you know, chances are you probably don't have him on your team. But I'm just trying to put in the the mindset and the thought process of, you know what, maybe I should take RBs early. Because one, they get hurt. So do wide receivers at this point. I mean, how many hamstring injuries are you going to go down the list? At most, this could be ankles because of horse collar tackles. I mean, right now we got Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Amon Ross St. Brown even missed the game, Chris Olave, Metcalf, Mike Evans. Those are just those are just on the top list of the, t- the top 25. If I go down the next page, I can probably list a handful more, but I'm not going to sit here and go over the injury report to, you know, on all that good stuff. T. Higgins, Jordan Addison now is questionable and all that good stuff, but... You know, injuries are going to happen to football. And anybody that says injuries happen to running backs more than wide receivers, I just don't think they're paying enough attention. Just because Nick Chubb had his knee dislocated and Saquon, who's always been injury prone, anybody that says otherwise is wrong. He's always been injury prone. You know, they miss time. And then all of a sudden it skews your perception of the position. I think that is a incorrect analysis. And you know what? If you had an elite RB you know, of course, Eckler's hurt as well, and he was going to be a top three to top four to the top five pick. But again, I mean, right now at this point, so is Justin Jefferson. So, I mean, it cancels out Pam Das at that point. But still, I think I think the overall perception of, you know what, this year was going to be the year of the wide receivers. And I think that's wrong. I think it'll always be RBs are important. RBs are the most important and they always will be the most important, even if they're in their timeshare. I mean, right now, DeAndre Swift, he's, I think, what, like RB? I'll look it up for you real fast. Half point PPR right now, he is RB. Um, looks like RB 10, actually, maybe like 13 or 14. RB 13, 14, and he averages like what, like 15, 16 touches a game? I mean, he has Kenneth Gainwell, who averages almost as many touches as him. And yet, he's still incredibly productive at this point. B. John Robinson, same as him. He's RB3. But at the same time, Tyler Algier averages at least 10 touches per game. So at this point, it's not necessarily a timeshare. They're just elongating his career and his ability to maintain his efficiency throughout the whole season instead of just you know having an elite 10 games and then he's hurt, right? You know, Der- Derrick Henry... It's probably one of the only people that could sit there, take the punishment of 25 carries a game, and then be all right. Uh, he's the only person I trust with that. I mean, Josh Jacobs, you know, he's getting like around 17, 18 touches per game. He's also one of those people that I'm like, you know what, he, he could just be that guy, and you're all right. But at this point, you want a speedster in the RP position where, you know, he's getting 15 touches, but they're efficient 15 touches, and he's going to put up a lot of fantasy points with those 15 touches. And I think that's what it looks like right now. And and yes, you are able to pick up RBs later in the draft. That happened this year. I mean, right now, for example, Zach Moss, if you had him, you had him at a phenomenal timeshare. And then all the other ones that we talked about and mentioned earlier. I mean, David Montgomery, Swift. Pacheco, Mostert, even Devin Ockne, you know, A-Chain, I'm sorry, Devin A-Chain and all that good stuff. Kyrene Williams, I can go on and so on and so forth. And Arby's that would happen later in the draft pick that are elite, are putting up elite fantasy production. But same goes for all the wide receivers. You know, there's always going to be those wide receivers that rise up and put up fantasy points when nobody really expected. I mean, Brandon Ayuk had an ADP of late fifth round, and right now he's spinning up second-round numbers. And, of course, you know, as easy as I say it is for wide receivers to put up fantasy points, you do rely on a lot for that to happen, right? So, one, it has to be a passing play where he's one of the early reads on the play, right? Second, the O-line has to hold up. Two, the quarterback has to see it make a good throw and then of course you got to catch it and then after that you're able to get it with the, with the rb it's kind of like hand them the ball see the hole and just run through the hole and hope the offensive line kind of holds it long enough for you able to pick up a handful of yards and then rinse and repeat it's easier for a wide receiver to put up fantasy points but more has to go right for him to do it and i, I think that is uh why i personally would say 
you know what, you need to take RBs early, take them often, and make sure that you have the depth in case you do have an injury, because it's going to happen, right? There's no way you're going to go through a full fantasy season without an injury, that where a player misses a game, hampered, hurt, and all that good stuff. So you're going to need the depth. And depth in the RP position, because obviously he can't get fantasy points for you on the bench, it sucks. But it sucks until it doesn't suck. Where a player one either has a bye week or a bad matchup, then you could substitute him or injury happens and you could substitute him. You could always pick up a wide receiver on the waiver wire, plug him in, five catches, 50 yards, so on and so forth, stuff like that. And you can't really do that in the RP position. Like realistically, it, it, when you shotgun an RB and just kind of hope for the best on it, it usually doesn't work out in your favor. But, but you, you have the ability to do that where you can play a matchup for wide receivers. You can't really play matchups for a running back because guess what? They're probably taken. You know, I mean, right now in fantasy leagues, if I go through all of them right now, the obviously the starting RB is gone. The backup RB is gone. Everybody's going for the handcuffs because everybody wants the ability and know that RBs are going to get hurt and they have the chance to pick up the backup RB where they can just plug and play in their lineup and they're good to go. So you have to take up take RBs early and often just because not necessarily because you have and you want to but because the way the cookie's going to crumble always always shows that it is good that you have more RBs than less RBs. Like you have roster spots, you have IR spots if in case one does get hurt, you will always be able to circumvent your roster to manipulate it for you to have the best projection or set up to succeed as best as possible when you have more running backs on your roster, not more wide receivers. You will never see a championship roster where it's full of stacked wide receivers. One, because the way the draft is set up, snake draft, you're just not going to be able to accumulate them. Two, RBs are just more consistent in putting up fantasy points, and they're obviously more terrifying to go against. Right now, if you go against Christian McCaffrey, like the other person, he probably has to make some lineup switches to try to match the upside McCaffrey has. If somebody has Justin Jefferson, you're not really necessarily making a change on your lineup because, one, you can't really make a change. Two, he's not that daunting. Like, just Jefferson, it sucks to go against him, but he's just not that daunting where you're like, oh, you know, he's going to he's gonna get his, right? He's going to get his catches. He's going to get his yards. But you're not afraid to lose your fantasy week because Justin Jefferson went off. Chris McCaffrey can go off and he will win you. He will win you a week. I think that is the biggest difference between RBs and wide receivers. RBs will win you a week. And I mean, right now we're seeing it with Devin A chain, who is unfortunately on the IR, or Hey Moster, and all that good stuff. Where where they will win you a week, Zach Moss. But uh, it's it's not it's unlikely unless you have a Jamar Chase who happens to have 14 receptions in a game against a horrendous team at that. At. He's not going to have that again, right? Without T. Higgins, of course. Or, you know, it, it's just not going to happen on a consistent basis. But, you know, it is consistent that McCaffrey or an elite RB is going to put up 20 fantasy points or close to it and all that good stuff. But all right, that's going to be the rant. That I have for RBs to wide receivers. It's it's an interesting, I think, topic to really go over and, and think about because because for every point I made, I think I think a person who thinks wide receivers are more important has a point as well. And uh, I'm not denying that. But I think fantasy football is much easier when you have a plethora of RBs to sit and start compared to wide receivers. I think it just makes it easier. And I, I don't, especially if you're playing with a buy-in, I don't see and understand a reason for why you would want to make it harder on yourself. Uh, I think you just go go with the best player available, and usually it's the RB, and then just enjoy the the fantasy football points that you're gonna get in the fantasy wins. On a, another side note, Zach Moss, huh? He, he he's playing like a champ. He's averaging six point nine, nice yards per carry, nice, and uh, I don't think anybody really saw that coming. But once you really think about it, it kind of makes sense considering he was on the Bills. The Bills can't run the ball to save their life. Like anybody that any any running back that goes to the Bills, their career dies. Their their scheme, offensive line, the plays this is not set up to run the ball. Like their RB1 is Josh Allen. Speaking of two for oneers, running quarterbacks. I think running quarterbacks taken early is a really good thing. 
I mean, I, I've discussed this a lot during the pre-draft time, but I just want to reiterate. Like right now, like for example, uh, Lamar Jackson, Justin Field, Justin Fields isn't really running as much this year, which is a disappointment. He's going to run a little bit more, I think so. Uh, the the way he ran against uh, Washington, uh, the Commanders, I think he's definitely going to run a little bit more now. I mean, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, you know, all of them, all that good stuff. You know, it is a two for one in that position. You get an RB one and a QB one, or may, maybe a QB one RB two. It's another two for one. It puts you in a better position where you can craft lineup in a different way to put up fantasy points efficiently at that point, because you know they have a safe floor, right? They're winning. That probably means they threw a couple touchdown passes, and now if they're running the clock, they're going to call some HB, you know, QB runs, QB dives, read options. There's always going to be an opportunity for them to get fantasy points, and if they're losing, then you know what? They're they're just hucking that ball, running, getting those rushing yards. And now, of course, you have the opportunity to get fantasy points. Um, you know, there there are other people that kind of don't get game scripted out of games, and uh, you know. Those two-for-oneers, I think, are all that more important specifically because of that. But all right, that's going to be the rant for Arby's compared to wide receivers. And, I, you know, like I before I ran on to the Zach Moss point, uh, I, I do think it's a good conversation to be had. And I know Sheehan, and Sheehan would be perfect for this conversation because I know he is a wide receiver over RB type of person. And uh, we always have these type of conversations where we're just like, no, 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 you take the RB. No, no, no. He says, take the wide receiver. No. Sometimes you got to zig when people zag, depending on how the draft goes. But I think even if everybody's zigging for RBs, then you that's just all the more reason for you to take one before they are all gone. But all right. That's enough for that one. I got to leave it alone before I keep going. But all right. So that is the RB talk. Let's see. I, uh, let's see. Did I do everything I accomplished on the ranting? Let's see. I talked about horse crawlers and I talked about RBs compared to white receivers. But all right, so let's go to the not top 10. And I feel kind of dirty doing this because that's Sheehan's segment. I feel like I should leave this for him, but at the same time, I do really enjoy this segment. So I feel like I also have to steal it from him. But all right, so let's list it out right here. Christian McCaffrey won for the RB position, going against Cleveland, which is going to be an interesting task because unlike the Cowboys defense, Cleveland isn't a fraud where they have a better pass defense than the the Cowboys, but they still have this solid run defense like the Cowboys do. I wouldn't be surprised if Christian McCaffrey also averages three yards a carry. But at the same time, I'm still not worried that he's not going to be RB1 because he's going to have those opportunities because that team gives him the opportunities, whether it's catching passes, goal line touches, or big play potential just from the way they scheme everything up. And that's also a side note. Back to the rants of RBs. You also got to look at the scheme of the team, right? The scheme of the team, if it's centered around running the ball, then you should probably pick the player, right? But when the Vikings, they don't have a good offensive line. Obviously, I feel like I'm throwing, I'm throwing Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase under the bus because the, you know they're paired together in the ADP process. But I feel like they're also good examples. I mean, with the Vikings, they never really had a good running back since Dalvin Cook was gone. And people will say Alexander Madison's good. I fail to believe that. The way I see him run the ball, if he was good, he would have been an RB1 on a different team instead of saying the backup consistently. But still, you know, the, their failure to be non-one-dimensional, I think, is a demise for the Vikings, which is why I think Justin Jefferson had to take a much larger role, which is good for fantasy purposes until he gets hurt, which unfortunately happened. Um, usually with Dalvin Cook there, they ran the ball so efficiently and effectively, you know, the, the quality of touches that Jefferson, Jefferson had was a little bit less, but much more effective, which I think is more, which personally I think is the more desirable one where, you know, less touches, more effective touches rather than more touches, but less effective touches. But that's also a personal preference between me because obviously I want my players to be healthy throughout the whole year, not a portion of it. But anyway, anyway, yeah, so it's, to wrap up, you know, I'm going to put a bow on it, and that's it. That's, that's it. I'm touching on that. But you always want to look at one, the RB, or the wide receiver, the player, the scheme, and personally, I think talent's the least least important thing because, one, they're already drafted that high up. They're already going to be elite. So you want to look at the schedule, the scheme, and then the opportunities. Are they going to have the opportunities to put up fantasy points? I think when you look at that, Christian McCaffrey hit every single box. I don't think Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase did because one, 
Jamar Chase's offensive line is a little bit horrendous. And I think Joe Burrow, he's still working his way to being healthy, but uh, the way he looked unhealthy moving in the pocket and all that good stuff looked like he was definitely struggling a little bit. And it showed in his fantasy points. Like I said, you know, if the offensive line's bad and the quarterback is hurt or has a bad game, then it's going to hamper your wide receiver's game because obviously he needs to rely on both of them for it before him can put up points. You know, it's the prerequisite. You got to have the line, the protection, and then the quarterback has got to make that throw. So if you don't have those prerequisites, you're automatically by default not going to get fantasy points. Like even if the RB, if the O-line's trash, you know, maybe he's not being as effective or efficient as a runner, but he's still going to be a runner that's going to get fantasy points. Maybe not a lot, but still something. But all right, that's the ball I'm putting on that. I'm done touching that debate. I'm done. Put it away. Put it in the locket. Lock the key. Throw away the clip. All right, so Chris McCaffrey won against Cleveland. Tony Pollard Toe against the Chargers. B. John Robinson against the Commanders. Travis Etienne against Indianapolis. Austin Eckler. I am hoping you play against Dallas. David Montgomery against Tampa Bay. David Montgomery has been a beast. And again, just like Zach Moss finally leaving the Bills and going on to a normal team, I think David Montgomery is on the same boat where he left the he left the Bears. Like, you know, sometimes hindsight's twenty twenty, but I feel like I should have saw that one coming. I feel like all of us should have saw that coming. I feel like we all should have seen, okay, yeah, Zach Moss, yeah, he's leaving the Bills. Like, he should be a good runner, right? Okay, all right. David Montgomery, he's leaving the Bears. All right, he should be fine. But no, no, I didn't think of that. You know what? That's something for me to look forward to. Players that switch teams that were in worse situations that came into better ones. And then obviously not be surprised when they do better. But all right, David Montgomery at number six. Raheem Mostert with no A-chain at number seven. Okay, so maybe Raheem Mostert against Carolina. Maybe he's RB1. I mean, right now, realistically, whether seven or one, is that important? Not necessarily, especially for this list. But God, God, Raheem Mostert has been killing it. At least that offense in general. Kenneth Walker against Cincinnati. Josh Jacobs against New England at nine. Kyrene Williams against Arizona at 10. So real fast right now, we're, t- we're taking Josh Jacobs against New England off of the top 10. We're taking him out. We're dropping him. Dropping it like it's hot for Alvin Kamara. Against Houston? Yeah, we're putting him number nine in that slot. Realistically, Alvin Kamara can go higher on this list, and he wouldn't have too much of a complaint on me. But right now, I'm going to slot him in Josh Jacobs. Kyrene Williams against Arizona. I, you know, it's difficult to take anybody against Arizona off of the top 10, so I'm not going to do that just yet. It is difficult to take David Montgomery out of Tampa Bay because David Montgomery has looked incredibly electric. Very electric. I really don't want to take Austin Eckler off the list, but he's going against Dallas. Oh, that's a tough one. That's a toughie. That's a toughie. But you know what the problem is? Is I would have to replace him, right? I would have to replace David Montgomery first. So while I wouldn't be upset at taking him out of the top 10, let's take a look at people that could replace him, right? So let's go through 11. So we already put in Alvin Kamara, Isaiah Pacheco against Denver. Derrick Henry against Baltimore. Joe Mixon against Seattle. Eh, still not the best option. Swift? New, uh, New York Jets? No. Brees Hall against Philadelphia? That's tough as well. James Cook against the Giants? No. Alexander Madison against Chicago? That's debatable, but still not, not appealing as much either. Brian Robinson Jr. against Atlanta? Also debatable, but not very appealing. Ramondre Stevenson against Las Vegas? Again, debatable, but not not appealing at all. Rashad White against Detroit. Nope, not appealing. Zach Moss against Jacksonville. That is that's that's pretty appealing. That is pretty appealing. I'm not gonna lie. That's that's not that bad. But can I take David Montgomery out to slot him in? Nah, that's tough. That's tough. I can't do that. I'm sorry. I can't do it. The top ten is pretty solid the way it is right now. Derrick Henry going against Baltimore. Can't do that either. Isaiah Pacheco against Denver. I mean, Denver's not looking good, and they look demoralized, if anything, especially against the loss of the Jets. I wouldn't be surprised if, God, you know what? I'm not going to make hot takes about Russell Wilson and the coach, but would not be surprised. Ooh, yeah, you know what? Unfortunately, we're going to, you know what? It sounds boring. It sounds boring. There's no hot takes in this one, but I'm leaving the list how it is, right? The only thing I would change in the top 10 is Josh Jacobs against uh, New England taking him out for Alvin Kamara against Houston just because Alvin Kamara looks solid. Looks clean, looks crisp, cutting up the middle, down the field, making people miss against Houston. I mean, I don't want to say Houston's bad, but you know what? It's just a good matchup for Kamara. Really good matchup for him. 
And even if Saquon plays, it's against Buffalo. It's tough. It's tough. It's 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 too tough. Yeah, there's there's just nobody else that I would sit there and go, you know what? They need to they need to go in the top ten. Like there's no Javante Williams. You're not gonna do that. You're not gonna do Chubber Hubbard if Miles Sanders can't play. You're not gonna do that. Miles Sanders unfortunately doesn't look very good right now, but uh, he's going against Miami. So if he has a chance to make up some fantasy points, he could do that. Considering I think he got like what point zero two last week. God, that was embarrassing. Right, so that's going to go over for the RBs. Let's hop on to the wide receivers. Hopefully that one's a little bit more exciting for us. But we got Tyreek Hill, one against Carolina. That's probably solid there. Jamar Chase against Seattle. That's going to be interesting, but yes, deserving. Number two spot, Diggs against the Giants. As well, entertaining. Cooper Cup, welcome back, baby. Welcome back against Arizona. Another solid matchup for him. Going to leave him in the top ten. Devontae Adams at five against New England. Ah, God. You know what? He's on the candidate of getting taken off the list. Man, both Raiders getting taken off the list. But we're going to see. Keenan Allen against Dallas. Again, ooh, we'll think about him. We'll think about him. C.D. Lamb against the Chargers. We're probably leaving him. A.J. Brown against the Jets. You know what? That'd be interesting. A Sauce Gardner versus A.J. Brown matchup. That's interesting right there. I'm, I'm all for that. Puka Nakua, a.k.a. Jerry Rice and Samoan against Arizona. D.J. Moore in Minnesota. That's going to be the top 10. D.J. Moore. I want to, you know what? There, there's going to be some flips up, flip flops in this one right here. Ready? So we're going to take Devontae Adams off this list. We're going to do that one against New England. New England just knows how to shut people down, right? And uh, they're going to stack the box. They're going to blitz Garoppolo. You know, speaking of Garoppolo going back to New England, right? That's interesting. Did he do that against the Niners when he was with the Niners? I should say. I want to say no. I want to say no. I don't remember off the top of my head. If the San Francisco 49ers ever play the Patriots during his tenure. I can't remember, but this is going to be interesting. Um, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing semi-decent, not phenomenal, not bad, but average, meh. But I'm taking Devontae Adams off this list. I mean, realistically, if the Raiders want a chance of winning this game, he better be on this list. But unfortunately, I'm taking him off this list. Hot take or not. I'm going to replace him with Brandon Ayuk. He just looks elite right now. He just looks like a top receiver. Maybe not like top five, top ten, but fantasy production, he's up there right now. And I'm going to take Keenan Allen off this list as well. Like Dallas, there's just no way they're going to get their booty cheeks clapped two, two weeks in a row like this. There's just no way. They can't do that. They can't allow the booty jacks, booty cheeks to get clapped two weeks in a row. I'm taking Keenan Allen off this list. I'm sorry. And I'm putting Calvin Ridley in. I'm tapping Calvin Ridley in. I'm saying, hey, do your worst. Please don't make me look bad. AJ, no. I'm taking Puka Nakua off the list as well. No, no, no. I can't do that. No, no. It's Jerry Rice. Come on. That's silly of me. No, not doing that. Never mind. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. That was, that was idiotic of me. I'm, you know, I'm putting him in number one. Puka, welcome to the number one spot. Take Derek Hill off the list. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But all right. We're going to take DJ Moore against Minnesota off the list because... I don't believe they could do it a third time like this. Where, you know, the amount of times I looked at my lineup and I saw me going against DJ Moore. Incredible amount. Insane amount. God, it, it hurt. It hurt. One time I went against in one league it was DJ Moore and Justin Fields. Oh, that hurt. Needless to say, I lost those weeks. But anyway, lost those matchups, I should say. But all right, I'm taking DJ Moore off the list. I don't think it's going to happen again. But who am I going to put in? Oh, I should have thought of that before I said that. But you know what? I'm putting in Chris Olave. Chris Olave, I'm tapping you in. Get in. Get in. You're going top 10 right here. You Congratulations. You're top 10. I'm speaking it into existence. It's not the best matchup. Houston, actually, I lied. It's a good matchup. But still, I'm putting you in the top 10. You're going to have a big, big game. Big plays. You're going to have at least, you're going to have two touchdowns of 20 yards each. Maybe that's not big plays. I consider it big plays, but... Two play, two touchdowns of 20 yards each. I think you're going with the top 10. You're going to have a nice game. Mike Evans is going to be a honorable mention. If he plays against Detroit, should be a good matchup for him. He should have a big game there. I don't think there's any receiver that can match up to him physically or talent-wise. He's an honorable mention. Uh, Marquise Brown is an honorable mention as well. 
he has been slowly killing it to the point where, you know, he's like I said, there's always going to be RBs. Oh, man, I'm upset. I'm untying that bow. There's always going to be RBs in the later in the draft that you're going to pick that can put fantasy value on your roster. But there's always going to be receivers. Marquise Brown is one of those people. Him, Christian Kirk, uh, Chris Godwin, and Mike Evans. Mike Evans had like an eighth-round ADP. Uh, Jordan Addison now, Nico Collins, Zay Flowers, yada, yada, yada. DeAndre Hopkins had a late-round ADP. He's still iffy. Jacoby Myers, yada, yada. I can, you know, I can go on so on and so forth and all these people. Jerry Judy. And all that. Uh, Michael Thomas is going to be an honorable mention. He's probably not going to put up a top 10 performance, but he's going to have a good performance where if you have him on your lineup, if you have him in your roster, you're going to want to put him in your lineup this game. He has been one of the sneaky average players. Like the, He has been the Jimmy Garoppolo of wide receivers. If you look at him, like this year, he's just been like a four catch, 50 yards, four catch, 50 yards, four catch, 50 yards. I've been doing, I've been in a couple bad, sticky situations. I put him in. I mean, he, he didn't rock it, but he, he put up his projection. And, you know, sometimes that's all you can ask out of your players. Because, of course, you have Christian McCaffrey on your team who will do more than the projection. And then, of course, that's all you need at that point. After that, if you have Christian McCaffrey or an elite player that you know is going to put up fantasy points, all you just need is consistency around him. And you're going to have a phenomenal lineup. And I think that's what people kind of fail to understand sometimes. I, I'm, I'm unwrapping the bow all the way at this point. I think that's what people fail sometimes is that they go for the big name, the big play, but all you need is like one or two of those. If that, just one. And then after that, you just build some consistency. And then you'll be fine in your fantasy football. You're going to win weeks. You're going to make it to the playoffs. And then after that, it's just whoever puts himself in a better position to succeed, gets lucky, and then they succeed. But anyway, so the top 10 on this list is going to look like Tyree Kill, Jamar Chase, Stefan Dix, Cooper Cup, Brandon Ayuk, Calvin Ridley, C.D. Lamb, A.J. Brown, Jerry Rice, and then, of course, Chris Olave. I think that's a good one. Nico Collins, shout out to him. Unfortunately, you're going against the Saints. Saints still, I think it's been... Like 18 to 20 weeks since the Saints have allowed a team to have over 20 points. It's insane. I know I know they went like three years without allowing a 100-yard rusher. And then it took a 75 or 85-yard run by Miles Sanders to ruin that streak from them. Insane. And then I don't even know if they've any team has happened since. But, I mean, this is another one of those phenomenal streaks that the Saints go on. They're always well-coached on defense. Or I don't know how long it's been since they've allowed a team over 20 points. It's insane. But all right, that's going to be the list for the wide receivers and the running backs. You know what? The two-minute drill is his. Sheehan's. I can't do it. It's unfair for me to do his list. And, the, of course, the prognostications. And you know, the problem is, is I had a secret episode, right, where I did kind of the practice by myself for last week's because, unfortunately, last week's episode did not go up. Last-minute cancellations and all that good stuff. But the prognostications where I made the hot take, it was going to be, Raheem Mostert, Devin A-Chain, Tyreek Hill, and Jalen Waddle all in the top 10. I think all three of them, except Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle has still had a good game. I think he had a touchdown. They all had good games. But I think they were all top 10, except him. I almost almost was right. But anyway, uh, I expect big games out of Miami's players, which, I mean, A, they have what you call efficiency, incredible efficiency over a limited amount of touches, which... Um, it's exactly what I personally want. You know, you want your players to have the longevity of the whole season. And if they're getting minimal touches with high efficiency probability, then you're usually putting up a phenomenal amount of fantasy points. But all right, tying the bow off of everything. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Of course, if you didn't, feel free to let me know. You know, my Twitter is at Top Tier Tactics with an underscore. You can just tell me it was, it was dog water of an episode. If it even airs, maybe, maybe the editor... Reads, uh, listens to, and goes, "Nah, this is dog water. We're not saying we're not we're not putting this on the air." Maybe Hoos listens to it and goes, "Nah, you're an idiot. We're not we're not letting these horrendous takes." Especially maybe Hoos sits there and says, "You know what? I like horse cavalry. It saved me in my week when Christian Watson got tackled." You know what? No, we're 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 cutting that part out. But all right, of course that's gonna wrap up this episode. Hopefully Sheehan is available next week. If not, I don't blame him. I mean, being a dad ain't easy. I wouldn't know. My, not only is my pullout game weak, my put-in game is even weaker. But other than that, hey, good luck, everybody. I'm ready. I'm ready.
forgotten.